Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Clinical Appraisal, a show dedicated to exploring issues of measurement and methodology in clinical nursing research. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and I'm your host, Ian Lane. If you like what I'm doing, please rate and review the show on iTunes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, please email me at clinicalappraisal at gmail.com or visit my website at about.me forward slash Ian Lane. All opinions shared on this podcast are my own, and none of the information I share constitutes medical advice. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Today I will be sharing my thoughts on a 2020 paper published in Nurse Leader by Ruth Labardi and colleagues, which I quite liked. I think this is an important read, but first I wanted to respond to some of the criticisms to my previous episode on DNP research versus PhD research. And there were three of them predominantly, which I thought warranted a brief response. When I say criticism, please note for those listening who actually sent in the questions or responses, they weren't rude. They were actually quite informative and interesting. Um, So when I say criticisms, I literally just mean perhaps rebuttals to my points. So there were three primary criticisms such as they were. One was that DNPs are not really doing lots of research in the field, so it's hard to compare these two terminal degrees in the way that my thought experiment tried to do. Number two, that DNPs are not able to acquire federal grant funding to conduct their own research, so isn't this kind of moot? As in, aren't they doing mainly operational support and program evaluation types of research efforts? And where they are participating in research, it's probably under the direction of a PI with a PhD in nursing who's got their own grant funding, right? And then number three, the criticism was uh, that PhDs are trained to do and capable of doing more traditional so-called bench research, like biomedical research in the laboratory, for example, while DNPs are not trained to do this. And so that's one possible distinction So research by PhD nurses is more foundational and even in some cases more biomedical. Um, I think their point ultimately is that nurse scientists can look at sort of mechanisms of symptom science or self-management of disease, for instance. So I will respond point by point to these because I think these were really insightful and interesting questions, although for the record, I do disagree with them, and I'll tell you why, but I do so respectfully and politely. To point number one, that DNPs aren't really doing research really at this level, so it's hard to compare them. It's true that at present, there are few DNP graduates that are conducting academic research or even translational clinical research on the whole, but that's actually beside the point. My discussion was focused mainly on what they could do not necessarily what they are doing, to get a sense of where the limitations might be and where the core differences really are. And we just can't escape the fact that should a DNP be interested in participating in academic research, as some of them are, the overlap between the two professionals may be more than people realize in many cases. And there are fewer restrictions than people think that are placed on DNPs who wish to function fairly similarly to PhDs in this capacity, albeit with a few unique uh, differences in focus in terms of the level of analysis that they may wish to apply to their work. Also, just to note, 
there are very few PhDs in nursing conducting grant-funded academic research as well. There are only a handful of schools in the U.S. which have really strong academic publications records, and as in most fields, the number of people publishing in the field follows an exponential power law curve where a small subset of nurse PhDs, or DNPs for that matter, are publishing almost all of the papers, and the remaining ones are scattered amongst several thousand authors at random. Productivity in this space is absolutely not distributed evenly. And just to put it out there, given that the number of DNPs dwarfs the number of PhDs in nursing at present, and that trend is only continuing, if we can get DNPs to realize fully their ability to conduct high-quality translational research at the academic research level by not minimizing the total surface area in which they can actually work, this might be able to be a potential I don't want to say it's a solution because there are important reasons to foster more nurse PhDs, but it might be it might be a at least one possible branch of a potential solution. Um, we need all the researchers we can get in nursing, by the way, at every level and at every facet, with every unique focus that they bring to the table, irrespective of what type of doctoral degree that a given professional might hold. To this point, for those that are interested, for fiscal year 2020, the National Institute for Nursing Research, the NINR budget, decreased $22.7 million as compared to fiscal year 2019, going from $163 million in total funding to $140.3 million. If you think that's a lot of funding... Compare that to, say, the National Cancer Institute, which has a $6.44 billion budget for fiscal year 2021, which is a $297 million increase over fiscal year 2019. From that perspective, $140.3 million is not only not a lot, it also may give people some idea of how little the public and our own government actually understands the importance and the impact of nursing research on the public's health. And from our vantage point today, precisely how many actively working researchers there are in nursing, which is to say not enough. If this isn't reason enough to stop infighting or quibbling over whose degree is worth what practical purpose, I don't know what is. To their point number two, and just to put it out there, these are different people, um, But I did get a couple similar responses, so that was interesting. So to point number two, also, (laughs) I should say, I think partly it's because I've actually requested that people who disagree with me send me responses. Um, So to that, I actually thank you because I am, as I mentioned, um, it wasn't just a platitude. I actually am interested in learning from you folks. So remember... Point number two was that DNPs really aren't able to acquire grant funding, um, and so isn't the point moot. The fact that DNPs are supposedly unable to acquire federal monies to conduct their own research is actually a misapprehension of how that process works, and is probably asked by someone who's never actually seen this process. And that's not meant as a criticism, it's just to say that it's a little naive. And here's why. Anyone at the doctoral level, interested in pursuing PI status on a federal grant to conduct their own research, must have three core things to be able to get that funding. 
they must almost always possess a terminal doctoral degree, and it doesn't matter what that degree is, generally speaking. In certain circumstances, it can, but it is very context-dependent. They must have the right mentorship and proper successful prior experiences on grant-funded research to be able to apply for their own funding. And they must be able to bring some unique niche expertise to the area that they're trying to study. So let's briefly take each of these in part. So firstly, with regard to the terminal degree, this need not be a PhD per se. MDs and DOs and DNPs are perfectly able to do this as well, to hold PI status, that is. And DNPs at least get some preliminary research training, whereas MDs only get this prior to medical school if they're lucky and during fellowship, if they pursue a fellowship, or if they do some additional research training which a DNP is also able to do, such as with a master's in clinical investigation, for one example. As regards strong mentorship and prior successful research experiences on grant-funded work, regardless of which professional degree or terminal degree one has, in order to acquire a federal, federal grant, you need to be able to have had sufficient research experience. But they also have, <laughs> have to have had successful grant funding themselves or been on a team with successful grant funding under a mentor who has been able to complete grant-funded work and publish successfully before them. And it helps if that person has some notoriety as well. And if an RN PhD graduates without having had any real mentorship, even though they have a PhD, there's no way that that person is going to get a federal grant. But let's say a DNP graduate worked throughout their final scholarly project with a PhD nurse mentor who has some notoriety and was doing work in, I don't know, let's say cancer pain, <laughs> so they can get some of that NCI funding, and also did a master's in clinical investigation at their school or something to boot, and used their mentor's large NIH-funded data for their scholarly project, and then applied for funding in that area as the PI on a larger extended project, with their mentor perhaps as a co-PI or a co-I, they could actually win that funding award. Merely having a PhD does not guarantee anything in the way of federal funding. Grant funding is a beast unto itself. And I have actually worked for individuals in my prior job who got several million dollars, three, four million dollars in federal funding from the National Institute on Disability Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research, or NIDLER, as a master's level practitioner. Um, it's very rare, and they required that, that this person eventually get their PhD, and they were in a PhD program to begin with, so it was fine. But their wording was not, we want you to get a PhD or we'll stop funding your work. It was, you need to have a doctoral degree or we will stop funding your work. And they give a list of all of the doctoral degrees that count. For example, if you want to conduct research, applied research at the bedside for physical therapy as a physical therapist, you needn't have a PhD in biomechanics or similar. You can also hold your doctor of physical therapy degree, your DPT, and get federal funding as a PI. So the same applies for DNPs here. Um, it is a good point, though. And so I appreciate that the listener made this point, that DNPs are not trained or educated, broadly speaking, to write a grant application and acquire funds, because that's true. But don't mistake that with not being able to learn how 
or having the ability to do so if desired. For instance, I've worked in research all throughout graduate school and I know how to write a grant application at this time. I wouldn't be able to get it. I would not be able to acquire NIH funds for myself unless it was for neuropsychiatric work with my old PI as my co-investigator. But give it a few years and new mentorship with another nurse scientist and some papers published under my name and that story will be very different. And finally, I mentioned that they need to have some expertise in a specific niche. Most MDs in research begin by offering clinical expertise to a problem that some PhD researcher is interested to solve, but doesn't have sufficient clinical content knowledge in comparison to be able to actually run the study successfully, as compared to if they had that content leader on their team. However, as MDs gain expertise and experience in research, their names become more well-known, and they are able to acquire their own funding quite readily, and the differences in length of time before the first R01 grant funding for an MD researcher as compared to a PhD researcher is actually quite similar in the biomedical sciences. This could be quite similar with DNPs if this were pursued. And again, the distinctions here might be vanishingly small between the DNP and PhD in nursing should these professionals be interested in pursuing similar research questions. And finally, no one can tell you what your particular niche specialization is or is not allowed to be. So perhaps you're a PhD interested in chemosensation research, but you're also an APRN in adult gero primary care interested in how that laboratory work might impact older adults with COVID-19 sequelae, including anosmia. But perhaps you're a DNP interested in the same thing, because that's a fairly clinical question, is it not? Or maybe you're like me and you're a future DNP interested in becoming the expert in measurement theory as applied to some patient population, and you're writing a grant, as I would do, to, to conduct, say, a validation study of some new instrument to find out whether it's valid to use with a specific patient subpopulation. If you're bringing a skill set like that to the table and to the team that no one else has, and you have a successful track record, nothing stops you as a DNP holder from being able to acquire a research grant from NIH or some other foundation. And frankly, if you're stellar at what you do, regardless of which doctorate you hold, you can essentially do whatever you want, so keep that in mind. And finally, to their uh, third point, the third criticism is that nurse PhDs are able to do more laboratory-based types of work the idea that nurse PhDs are able to do more bench lab work compared with translational sciences as would be conducted or expected to be conducted by DNP holders is kind of idealistic and it really doesn't map on to reality very well. And I'll tell you why. Although it is an interesting point and I think the listener is right to have brought it up, I thank them for suggesting it. Nurse PhDs can do laboratory-based research and it is true that DNPs are not trained to do that. It's a good point, but actually there's more complications to this than it sounds like there would be. First, most RN PhDs don't do lab-based work, regardless of their ability to do so. It's actually very rare for nurse researchers to do biomedical science at that level, and many are doing more theoretical and applied research or even systems-based work. I've become friends with a few nurse researchers over the last year or so at institutions around the country by emailing around and doing some informational interviews and Zoom calls before applying to graduate programs. And I would just like to note that people in this tight-knit field are very 
kind and all very close. So it pays to be open to collaboration and to be appreciative and helpful because everybody knows everybody in this field ultimately. In any case, of the new friends that I've been lucky enough to get to know, a handful of them and only a handful of them are doing, say, genomics work in a laboratory or uh, pain sciences or chemosensation, as with my new friend, Dr. Pauli Joseph at the NINR, who's doing stellar work and who I hope to have on the podcast sometime soon if she's willing and able or interested to join us. The point is, it's very rare. In fact, all of those people I spoke to told me that basic bench research in nursing PhDs is by far the minority of the researchers in the field. The vast majority of nurse PhDs are not doing mechanistic research in, say, health services, uh, or th- they're not doing mechanistic research in, you know, pain or cancer or you know, some of these areas that these individuals are working in, they were doing, say, health services research or theoretical work in nursing science education or uncovering, say, how best to implement an evidence-based practice amongst the nursing staff at a hospital, all of which are well within the purview of the DNP holder interested in academic work. So the total number of RN PhDs doing basic biomedical sciences, so to speak, is very small, And so it's hard to factor into the equation. These researchers are incredibly important. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I am not minimizing what they're doing. If anything, I aim to celebrate that and encourage others to participate in it as well. Second, as we mentioned, just getting a PhD does not afford you the capacity to do that sort of work. You have to have a mentor to do this. And it's actually difficult to break into that area. And DNPs could do some of this as well in the same way that MDs could do this, with additional training, of course. Nothing stops them from getting similar types of grants. And with the right CV and the right mentorship, a DNP could do some of the same research as a PhD in this area as well. For example, medical doctors are not trained in research methods or in grant writing at all, but many get this training, as I mentioned, in fellowship or become adept by virtue of doing separate research-related postdocs, for example. And they become just as successful and in many cases just as famous as, as famous as you can get in research as their PhD counterparts. So DNPs get some preliminary research training as compared to these MDs who don't. And that's not a slight to the MDs who li- are listening, by the way. It's just a fact that MD training is so jam-packed with clinical uh, focus that it's hard to fit any of that extra stuff in there, so they kind of can't. Um, so those DNPs who are interested in going on to become experts in some niche area of clinical p- practice absolutely could still drill down and then work with an a- advisor in some area or a mentor to build a research enterprise in some biomedical laboratory realm. Obviously, the number of DNPs interested in this is vanishingly small as well, so we might as well take this whole question off the table. The other thing is that in terms of basic mechanisms, you have to ask, because there's a difference, biomedical sciences uh, of which nursing could be conceived of as a part, although not, it, not necessarily, um, you could conceive of them as distinct. I would say nursing research is distinct from biomedical research per se. And nursing research is really, as the National Institute of Nursing Research initiatives point out, focused on things like self-management of disease, wellness, symptom science. So for example, pain science, palliation, 
these are the root constructs at the heart of nursing. And so these can be addressed by nurse PhDs, but they're also high-level clinical concepts which can be addressed by DNPs. And this serves my point further, yet again, that the overlap might be so substantial that it is interesting to consider where, again, these differentiating factors might actually be. Because to my mind, it's clearly not the case that we can make strong claims on the differentiator being knowledge generation versus knowledge translation as solely applied to clinical research. Some examples of this include the fact that DNPs can do informatics. So for people like myself who are very interested in this, this brings us closer to, I don't know, things like big data genomics, for example. This is just one way of doing like big data root cause analysis, which is more typical of PhD holders. But that's some serious overlap with fundamental root causes or mechanisms in the field. DMPs as program evaluators are in a good space to do, say, psychometrics or biometric analysis with the right additional training and support. That's pretty fundamental as well. Also, DNPs and PhDs both get the same fundamental coursework in advanced physiology, pharmacology, and pathophysiology. And just like the MD can acquire these additional research skills and eventually these grants, so too can the DNP. For example, if you're a DNP in, say, acute care, and you're doing work in a pain clinic, um, say, in the hospital or in an outpatient clinic with some anesthesiologist, let's say, and you end up becoming interested in translational pain sciences, there's nothing that stops you from developing a research enterprise of your own in foundational pain science, in which there's plenty of room to grow, trust me, and then use that as a means of translational science for your practice, but which also contributes to basic science in the field. I mean, many neurologists, MDs, or DOs do this, for example, uh, during their fellowships. Nothing stops you from doing that. So... In a way, this is a nice segue into the paper I want to discuss with you. So let's move on to Dr. Lombardi's paper, Lombardi's paper rather, and uh, some of the discussion points that they bring up. So this paper is called, it's entitled, quote, Describing the Challenges Faced by Newly Prepared DNP Graduates in the Acute Care Setting. The crucial thing they wanted people to know here is essentially that we need outcomes research on the DNP, both for health services and for patient care, in order to further substantiate the need for this practice doctorate. There is currently insufficient data in this area, even after 15 years. And in a way, Labardi's article is sort of a call to researchers, as it were. And part of why this matters to me is because I think it's incumbent upon both nurse PhDs, but also, and maybe even more importantly, upon nurse DNPs to be conducting this work. To note, Dr. Labardi herself holds a DNP, and as does one of her other authors, for example, in this paper, Dr. Deborah uh, Sealing. They start the paper off by sharing a statistic that I thought was interesting. In the field of nursing, according to the 2011 IOM report, the Institute of Medicine, about 13% of nurses hold a graduate degree, and less than 1% hold a doctoral degree in nursing or a related discipline. According to a 2019 AACN fact sheet, there are currently about 3.8 million nurses in the U.S. 13% of 3.8 million would, of course, be about 494,000, and 1% of this is 4,900, basically. It's 4,940. 
nurses with doctorates in or adjacent to nursing. The vast majority of these are DNPs, don't forget, given the trajectory that we discussed previously. But the demand for doctoral-level work in this field is substantial, and the supply is currently dwarfed by the overall demand for these professionals. I was really intrigued as an acute care-oriented student with this paper because it mentioned acute care specifically and the challenges that DNP students or graduates face in this area. But it turns out, at least from my reading of the paper, that the acute care aspect of this paper really referred predominantly, not exclusively, but mostly to the fact that they had established their work group, which got together to discuss these issues as and with relevant stakeholders, was held at an acute care facility. To me, this felt a bit like their title misrepresented their actual content and that their content was incredibly important, but from a different lens. But the title implies that they were going to tell us about challenges that DNP practitioners face in the acute care setting, either clinically or in their translational research of some kind. Unfortunately for me, there really was no place in this article where Dr. Labardi and her team discuss specific acute care challenges of DNPs per se. That said, when I dug in more deeply, I found myself thrilled that they'd published this paper because it is super, super important. And the more people that read it, the better. More people need to be thinking about these problems. So let's go through some of the things that they actually looked at in this paper. The purpose of this paper was to review current challenges faced by DNP-prepared nurses and to share strategies that this work group that Labardi et al. had explored to enhance and, to use their terminology, quote, showcase DNP practices and outcomes. These authors walked us through several important talking points. Here were the main themes. Nursing leadership awareness of the DNP workforce. Outcomes and values that DNP-prepared nurses bring to an organization. And thirdly, recommended strategies for facilitating DNP integration into the acute care setting workforce. Their overall points being, as we come to learn in reading their article, is that each of these situations, nursing leadership awareness, outcomes and values brought to an organization, and strategies for integration into the acute care landscape, there is currently insufficient on-the-ground understanding of various personnel of the role and There's also insufficient research on outcomes for these various circumstances at present to help them understand these better. This is why I believe it's a sort of call to arms, and it's imperative that we heed this call. It's also why I'm so invested in DNP-level academic research growing into its own in a similar capacity as MD-level research has done over the years, as an adjunct to our PhD-level peers without defaulting to some overly simplistic heuristics, which are really only partly true on some fuzzy level if you really squint hard. In terms of nursing leadership, here's what they had to say. Employers, including nursing officers, CNOs, are confused by the roles and unsure of what exactly the DNP is bringing to the table in terms of academics and leadership. Specifically, they were focused on questions of leadership here. They also state, quite rightly, that there, quote, remains a gap in the understanding of the role, goals, and organizational outcomes of the DNP-prepared nurse, end quote. 
In terms of outcomes and values, the authors emphasized the collaboration of DNP and PhD holders as their work overlaps and is complementary in ways for healthcare organizations, and that this may greatly benefit the healthcare system at large. And I obviously agree entirely with this sentiment. And finally, their recommended strategies to facilitate integration of DNPs in the workforce are as follows. If organizations are academically focused, they found that it's important to highlight, highlight to coordinated uh, collaborative contributions of DNP and PhD prepared nurses as their work is complementary. Though, as I've discussed, how precisely that's complementary and how much it overlaps and where is actually a bit of a hairy measurement problem, but it is nonetheless true. Also, they found that if an organization values evidence-based practices, emphasizing the DNP training here is essential because of the educational preparedness at the practice level. Remember, the DNP is a practice doctorate. The authors also recommended establishing robust databases to track outcomes and research projects that DNPs have worked on to assess outcomes by quantifying results into actionable knowledge. And to note, this is an informatics question. Many, many DNPs are interested in informatics. I would echo their call to arms by insinuating that DNP informaticists ought to be the ones coming to the table quite strongly on this issue. Setting up databases and monitoring outcomes is what they do as nurse informaticists. So what better a way to demonstrate efficacy and effectiveness of the role than this? The authors conclude by stating, quote, it is critical that nursing leaders across the country design and conduct studies that document the impact that DNP graduates have on patient care and health care outcomes so that healthcare organizations will understand the added competencies, financial impact, and capabilities of DNP prepared nurses, end quote. I could not agree with them more. And I believe it's partly incumbent, as I say, on DNP prepared nurses and NPs to come to the table ready to help with this problem. It is really not fair to put it all on the backs of like the 800 nurse PhDs who are all interested in their own unique questions and research areas and expect them to just do it for us. In closing, I recommend that you give this article a thorough read and follow along with their citations as well, because there are some other wonderful articles that are cited in this paper, including Dr. Auerbach's study. And I think Auerbach's research should be read by every single DNP student, no questions asked. So give this paper a thorough read and think through their arguments and recommendations, and then let me know what you think after. Thank you for listening to this episode of Clinical Appraisal. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please rate the show five stars on iTunes and share this channel with your colleagues in nursing. If you'd like to ask a question or share a comment, please email me at clinicalappraisal at gmail.com. And if I ever review a paper you are an author on and would like to join me to discuss the paper or some other work you are doing, please send a note to that same email address. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll join me again next time.